This is an SJC Radio production. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to episode 17 of season 8 of Pit Stop. The recording date is Thursday the 13th of July. In this episode I'm joined by Joe. What have you been up to? You've been uh, you've been away at all. Uh, so I've been having a look at uni visits. So yeah, I've been away. So it's looking as though probably going to head off to Wales. Really? So that's probably what we're looking at. Can I guess? Um, can I guess Cardiff? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Cardiff it is. Uh, it just has the best course. I mean, I'm looking at others like St Andrews, Edinburgh, Leeds. Bath. Which which course is that, Joe? Uh, so that'd be politics and Spanish. Wow, that's, an, that's an interesting combination, politics and Spanish. Yeah, it's a sort of looking with a view to work in diplomacy, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, that sounds really good. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking to do. It's just grade dependent, really. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it looks like an amazing city and the uni looks good, too. Yeah. So what about the holidays? What, what have you got lined up? Are you going away at all? Or... Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm heading off to the Channel Islands for two weeks. Yes, because that would be... That. Is that Guernsey or... No, it's... Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So we're going to Guernsey and yeah. then Alderney for most of it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nice, very nice. Looking forward to that. Um, but I've got more exciting news than my plans. Okay. In that, it's sort of to do with me. But I've got, um, I sort of mentioned to this you of a text recently. Um, I've started to get into, and I say started, yeah. to get into a new series. No, I'm, yeah, I'm intrigued by this. I was thinking about I've this. Wrote, what, not, not the crown or something. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I. Admittedly, I sort of started maybe two, three days ago. Right. And I've just sort of been hooked on it. So, so obviously I love WEC. And something not dissimilar is the World Rally Championship. Oh, that's, that's right. It looks amazing. And I'm sort of just trying to get into it, trying to understand, grapple with all the rules yeah. and that sort of thing. And the differences. Because I realised there was an F1 race on. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to watch it. There was the, what, what was it recently? There was the, was the... Silverstone Grand Prix. Yeah. I just didn't want to watch it. I wasn't fussed about missing it. Yeah. I was like, well, I can just watch the five-minute highlights afterwards. That's right, yes. Just, like, you know, the, the five-minute highlights is probably going to show all the good things in the race. Yeah. 
So I thought, hmm, I sort of want something else. And so, yeah, I'm looking at the World Endurance Championships. I'm about an hour and a half, I think, into Monza. Right. Very good. Um, the World Rally Championship, I'm really starting to get into it. I love it. I don't know, I don't know much about the World Rally Championship. I mean, I've always wanted... I've always wanted to go to actually go to a rally because it must be because I've been to the Goodwood Festival of Speed a few times and they have like a rally stage there and it's, it's really impressive seeing the cars on that and I've always thought since then wouldn't it be great to go to a rally I mean I don't I don't know all that much about rallying or and, and I certainly don't know how how you would go to a rally I mean it's 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 not as simple as going to a racetrack is it no um because they've got these sort of special stages and how you access them, I'm, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I've seen lots of footage uh, on YouTube, and yeah, it looks yeah, it looks really good. Um, well, talking off the Festival of Speed, uh, maybe two hours prior to recording, the um, red arrows flew really low over my house. Oh, really? See, I'm, I'm right on the West Sussex Hampshire yeah. border, so that, that was quite exciting. Yeah, uh, and there's sort of been helicopters buzzing around all day as well. Excellent. On, over to the west so yeah it's been pretty exciting on, but yeah i've really got into the, uh, the wrc i think it's really exciting which which rally um, which which rally was it was it the was it the rally kenya you watched or no i'm well right now i'm, I'm watching sort of the highlights of yeah. the monogasque one so the one that starts in monaco and sort of works its way oh, that, well the that, that's 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 a monte carlo rally i think that's the season mm. opener i think yeah it is yeah yeah so i'm just sort of trying to work my way through pick yeah. up the rules watching a few videos and that yeah. sort of thing uh, but yeah, it's looking super exciting. Well, I think, I think, I think, not know much about it, but I think one of the perhaps one of the most exciting rallies is the what they call the Thousand Lakes, which is in Finland. That's a, that's an I mean, that is a high speed special stages uh, are very fast, but also um, it's famous for uh, the stages being sort of having lots of humps in them, so the cars go kind of flying through the air a lot. Right. And, uh, on the subject of the World Rally Championship, I, I, I told you, I think it was in the winter, I, I, I mentioned Mr. Holbert. And you, yes. do you remember that and how this um, skier had a really bad accident and he had to yeah. give him first aid. And that was one of the world, that was one of the WRC drivers. No way. What was his name? Um, gosh, I've forgotten his name now. Was it? Right. It's Chris Meek. Chris Meek, that's Chris spelt with a K, Meek is spelt M-W-E-K-E, former, uh, okay, former WRC driver, I think currently the Toyota test driver, but I think he has had some um, outings this year in the WRC. I, again, I, it's, it's not something I'm an expert on, but I, I can see the attraction I, of the show because, um, you know, the, the rally cars are very spectacular. What I do know, you know how my brother and I often hark back to the golden era of sports car racing. We talk about Group C, the golden era of the 1980s, and Formula One, the 1980s. The sort of golden era of rallying, again, was the 1980s. It was something called Group B, when the cars were unbelievably powerful and fast and dramatic. Group B came to an end uh, in 1986 because there, there were a number of uh, fatal crashes. Um, there was a crash in... Portugal in 1986 where something like 20 odd spectators were killed when one of the Group B cars crashed into the spectators 
and also there's a chap called is it Henri Toivonen who was killed in the 1986 or 1985 no, I think 1986 uh, Monte Carlo rally um, so the cars became I think probably a little bit too powerful a little bit too fast but there's some, I know there's some amazing footage online. If you go on YouTube, uh, there's some in-car footage. Is it? Is it Ari Vatanen in-car footage? What's amazing about this footage is you've got. He's obviously you know on a special stage, drive you know driving really fast. But in front of him, there is literally a tunnel made up of spectators, and the spect and the spectators obviously part as he as he sort of goes along it's yeah, right. it would never happen today i mean it was utter madness and i and i i guess that the accident in portugal in 86 which brought really the end of what about the end of group b was inevitable um but no I, i'm really pleased that you're into that joe and perhaps i mean i know yeah it's looking i know very, it's looking very exciting I know, perhaps at every session you can give us an update on what's going on in the, in the wrc well, I tell you, the calendar looks looks pretty impressive. So the, there's um, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen. Uh, I think it's pretty pretty happy medium by not too many, but also, mm. you know, enough to keep you satisfied over the year. Yeah, because so thirteen a year. Because we're slightly frustrated, aren't we, at how few wet rounds there are, um, and how there are so many. Yeah, F1 you're right. Rounds. There was a balance there, and. You say there's 13 WRC I mean, rounds. If we go back, you know, to, to when I was your age, there was about 16 F1 races, which was kind of perfect, really. Because I think that's pretty good. You get to build up enough excitement. Yeah. But, and also, drivers, it means a lot more, I yeah. think, doesn't it? You're going to drive more. And I think also you're going to take slightly more risks. Because I think if you know you've got a triple header yes. coming up, you're not going to dive down yeah, in the yeah. first. That's a, that's a good point, um, isn't it? Are we... It's, I mean, like yourself, I don't really... I don't watch Formula One. I, I you, 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 you said just now that you'd rather watch the five-minute videos. Funnily enough, I'd rather not watch those five-minute highlights and just maybe read about it. I find Formula One is more interesting and exciting when you don't actually watch it at all. Because <laughs> I mean, I watched, I did watch those six-minute highlights of the British Grand Prix, and I kind of wish I hadn't. I kind of thought, hmm, is that it? Whereas the previous round in Austria, I didn't, I haven't seen one second of the coverage. And actually, sort of more interested in it when I don't watch it. Uh, well, I do have F one news, despite not knowing yeah. that, despite not having watched it. And yeah. I'm sure you'd have probably heard this too, as Nick De Vries has been replaced yes. by Daniel yeah, Ricciardo. I, I did hear that. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see whether Daniel Ricciardo is able to get any results in the is it the Alpha Tower, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, you mentioned earlier the Festival of Speed. There is some WEC news from the Festival of Speed in that Lamborghini are launching their yes. hypercar at the... It's, it has been launched. Yeah, yeah so that, that, what do you that's think? really exciting. So there's another you know, manufacturer. Uh, what do you think of it? I, I've only seen, I haven't, funny enough, I haven't seen the photographs from Goodwood yet. I saw a video online uh, it looked pretty good, but the video I saw, um, I'm not sure whether I was looking at a real car or some sort of computer-generated picture. I'm I'm not sure. So it doesn't look dissimilar from sort of Glickenhaus. Yes, the, the, yeah. 
that's fine. I thought that's what I thought when I first saw it. The actual design reminded me a bit of the of both the BMW, which races in the IMSA series, and the Cadillac. Kind of look, the shape is, is similar. But yeah, there it is. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it looks really good. I hope it doesn't race in in those colours. I hope it doesn't race in 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 in, in that green and black. But yes, it, it it does look very good. The chassis there. Oh, something I'd also seem to have mentioned, uh, seen to have seen, is they must have been listening to pit stop down at Peugeot, because it seems like they've kept their Le Mans yeah. colours. Yeah, you, know, you know the funny thing is with that Peugeot, I, I've, I've been I've said quite a few times how much I dislike it and I hate the colour scheme. Funnily enough, I now quite like it, and the reason why I like it is simply because because they changed the colour scheme. You put a decent colour scheme on that car, it looks pretty good. So I actually, yeah. And what's interesting, it's obviously just a complete coincidence, is how the change in colour scheme has coincided with uh, an improved on-track performance because yeah. it did well at Le Mans. Um, right. I, do you mind if I give away the results? Because we're going to talk about the WEC. You've only watched an hour and a half. Would it ruin it if I told you the results? Uh, it is. It's really difficult. It would, but it's a, it's, it, you know, it's a right. podcast, isn't it? So I've got to hear it eventually. So go on. Yeah. Right. Well, the one of the Peugeots, I'm not sure which one, actually finished third really? overall wow. uh, at Monza. Yeah. That, that's, you know, a year on from their debut because they debuted at Monza last year. That's by far the best result. In fact, they were competitive throughout the weekend in all the practice sessions uh you know qualifying uh, and you're an hour and a half into it and I, I, in that hour and a half i think the peugeots you know, have featured at the front of the race haven't they uh yeah yeah, yeah definitely something i th- just now, one quick question just sort of a preference thing so you don't have to yeah. it doesn't have to have any sort of scientific basing to it but i wondered out of the hypercars do you have a favorite one because i probably have the porsche i think well, yeah porsche, well funny enough you should say that, in that Joe, because my favorite, my favorite's the Porsche, that Porsche as well. in the twenty-four hours of Le Mans uh, livery. I think that's, that's got to be the best. Look, that looks amazing. Funny enough, I, I I agree with you. I love the Le Mans livery. I I also like that the, the the standard livery as well. Yeah, and I will tell you what I like about it. Um, you know, when you look at the other Porsche livery, so we had the debut of the the Proton Porsche. Yeah. It, the, the white one in the way that that looked good you got you got the the, the golden hertz joe yeah. porsche as well but it's not just the, it's not so much the colors i like on the the the, the sort of Penske porsches it's it's the actual design of the color scheme and i think it's 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 how they use the the design of that the front nose I, I i can't really verbalize what i'm trying to say here but the design of the penske's color scheme works really well and i think the design takes you to account or works particularly well with the what mm. am i trying to say the, yeah, yeah. the sort of curves of the car i haven't there's a better way of verbalizing that but whoever designed that color scheme I thought they did a really, really good job. So now, bearing in mind you have, you, oh gosh, bearing in mind you haven't Go seen, I'm going to have to talk about Go the result, Joe, of of Monza. So the result was, it, it was a win for Toyota. 
Um, have the, that was Toyota number seven. Uh, it was a Toyota first, Ferrari second, Peugeot third. Uh, fourth was... Well, I think it was the other Toyota, number eight, I think. I might be mistaken on that. And then uh, it was the other Ferrari and then one of the Penske Porsches. However, um, since the race, the number eight Toyota has been penalised, I think. So I think it might have had a, a minute penalty added to it. So that's dropped actually further down the order. Now, have you got 20 pace car periods yet whilst you've been watching Monza? Uh, I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. Right. So... Um, there is a huge crash involving, well, the, the number eight Toyota causes a huge crash. We're going into the Ascari chicane. It accidentally nerfs off the D station, Aston Martin. Triple oh, seven. Yeah. I have, I have got to that point. Yeah. Now that, 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 that was a fairly key point in the race because what happened then, that was fairly early on. I think it, that would have been the first hour. Mm, no, I have seen it. Um, what happened then is some of the, um, teams decided to pit early so the cadillac um i think the, the porsches as well they they all decided to, to 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 pit early so for the rest of the race it's a little bit confusing in the sense that at some stages you had the early pitters um who, who pitted um after that well, that incident with the Toyota and the Aston Martin sometimes they will be in the lead and then later on the cars on the sort of normal pit schedule would be in the lead so it was a little bit um confusing it's not the word but um you had sort of strategies were split let's put it that way and unfortunately yeah. those who went for that early pit stop who pitted early that strategy came unstuck later on in the race when I think it might have been when the the Proton Porsche, by the way, making its debut, actually did lead some laps, so it was very competitive. But it had some mechanical woes, and it was stranded on the track. They had to bring out a pace car, and unfortunately, that coincided with um, the time when all those people on that alternative strategy, they needed to pit for fuel. Now, when you have the pace car out, you're kind of not allowed to pit, and if, if you're forced to pit, you're only allowed to take on a very small amount of fuel. So those cars all had to pit because they ran out of fuel, but they can only take on a very small amount of fuel. Then they had to to pit again to take on the, the you know the normal amount of fuel. So that sort of second or third safety car, whichever one it was, um, unfortunately meant all those people on that on that different strategy. Um, it, it meant they were sort of pushed down the order. Um, so the Cadillac was an example of that. The actual race itself, I mean, it was very difficult to sum up the race because it was hugely eventful. I mean, if we take the start of the race, Joe, into into the the first chicane, we had the number eight Toyota um, outbreaking itself, looking at the brakes, hitting hitting the Ferrari. So had a bit of a bit of a, a messy bit of a mess at the first chicane. Um, yeah, and there was so much going on. I mean, so much overtaking. And what's also great with the WEC is just is how competitive it is. So we had the Ferraris at the front. We had Toyotas at the front. We had Peugeots at the front. Privateer Porsches at the front. Um, it is unbelievably competitive. Now, I was talking to my brother, you know, and as I said before, we always hark back to the 1980s, weren't, 
wasn't the 1980s group see the best ever my brother actually said to me he says you know what this hypercar era he said this is the best it's ever been it is excellent isn't it and i agree with him that i think this current era is better than group c and yeah i think one of the one of the reasons why it's better if, if i go back to the height of group c let's say 1985 you look at the grid yes there were lots of group c cars there but 99 percent of the the group c cars or the c1 cars were porsche 962s i mean that's my favorite ever car but you've only got really one manufacturer compared to today when we've got loads of manufacturers and we've got you know more joining next year so it's great to have a, a grid of hypercars from all these different manufacturers and also having privateer cars which are all competitive the Jota car, Joe, also led some laps as well. It's never been this competitive. And and going back to Group C, now you might say, well, hold on. If we go back to the late 1980s, other manufacturers did join Group C. And, and, and you're right, they did. So in 1988, well, in 1986, 87, we had this sort of privateer Saber Mercedes. In 1988, or was it 89 rather, I think, that became a factory Mercedes team. And then we had Jaguar came in in, well, they came in 86 as well. And then in 89, we had lots of manufacturers like Nissan, Toyota, um, all joined Group C. But the trouble then, Joe, despite the fact that we had all these different manufacturers, because it wasn't a balance of performance category, what we ended up with is the Sauber Mercedes were dominant in 1989 and 1990 and of course when a team is dominant and like and a team like mercedes a company like mercedes will throw millions at the project the sort of privateer teams can no longer compete and also the other manufacturers um yeah. struggle to compete as well when, when one team dominates and what happens then joe they all leave so this current golden era is a golden era because it's 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 a balance of performance formula whereby if one team gets a significant advantage they are pegged back by you know by the rules now some people criticize that and say oh this is a bit artificial but you take away the balance of performance and i'll tell you what would happen you'll end up with a championship with only two manufacturers that would be ferrari and toyota right yeah yeah, yeah. So balance of performance. So I think it's been an excellent season. Is the phrase, yeah, I, I, is the phrase a necessary evil? Maybe that's an appropriate phrase or maybe it's not. But I'll tell you what, at the moment, it's certainly working. Now, after Le Mans, Ferrari, I think, were pegged back a bit. I think Toyota might have been as well. But you look at Monza, Joe, and it's pretty much there, isn't it? in terms of the balanced performance, because pretty much every manufacturer led the race. The only thing I'd like to see tweaked slightly. Now, Joe, are you aware that in that the hypercar category is kind of an umbrella sort of category? And within that, you've got two different types of hypercar. You've, sort got, of. you've got the pure hypercars, which are Toyota, Ferrari, which, you know, sort of build their own chassis and, and um, their own hybrid units and so on. 
and you've also got what we call the LMDH cars, which the, the Porsche and the Cadillac, they're called LMDHs, whereby they don't build the chassis. There are four LMDH chassis manufacturers and they have a standard hybrid unit. So the LMDH is a much cheaper way for manufacturers to enter hypercar. And the IMSA series in the States, Joe, um, all the cars in that series at the moment is just L are LMDH. Now, what about WEC? What's that, sorry? So, so, so in the WEC, we have the hypercar classes made up of Le Mans hypercars and what we call Le Mans right. Daytona hybrids. But both of those um, types of car make up the hypercar category. Now, I, what I'd like to see is a little bit more help given to the LMDH cars. That's the Cadillacs and the Porsches. Because I just feel that just... If you look at fastest laps, I, now now what I do, here's a top tip, Joe, when, when you watch a WEC race, and something I've only just started doing, is I have my WEC app on, and I have the live time, timing and scoring on whilst I'm watching the race. A, because it tells me how many pit stops the, 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 the cars have made, and that's really important information, actually, knowing how many pit stops they've made, but also you've got the, the lap times on there. It's quite interesting in the race seeing you know which cars are sort of lapping the fastest it's also interesting looking at the fastest laps if you look at the fastest laps and that tells you you know the out and out performance of the car the fastest laps you know the fastest lap i think was a toyota i think second fastest lap was a ferrari then i think the third would have been a peugeot the fastest laps always seem to be done by what we call the um, le mans hypercars and the LMDH is always about, you know, maybe three or four tenths off the fastest laps. So I'd like to see a little bit more assistance given to, to Porsche and Cadillac, the LMDH cars. Now, when the season started, Joe, that was the original plan. Um, the, FIA, the FIA said we will not make changes to individual cars regarding the balanced performance during the season. They said, what we will do, they said, first of all, they said, we won't make any changes whatsoever until after Le Mans. Well, they did make some changes, as we know, before Le Mans, which Toyota weren't very happy with, obviously. Um, but they also said, after Le Mans, um, if they were to make any changes, they wouldn't make changes to individual cars. They'll make changes to the individual categories. So they might make changes to the Le Mans hypercars or or they might make changes to the uh, LMDH cars, but they wouldn't make changes to individual cars. Now, they seem to have scrapped that idea completely. So what I'm saying is, Joe, a rather long-winded way of saying this, I'd like to see them make a, a slight change to the LMDH cars and give them a little bit more performance. Because it's interesting that you've got the, the factory Penske Porsche team, Joe. Yeah. They've had a third place. And that's all they've had. And, and we're, we're, we're tending to see the Le Mans hypercars at the front all the time. And, you know, last weekend at Monza, we had, you know, Peugeot. That, that, that again, is a genuine Le Mans hypercar. You know, um, that was at the front. Um, I just feel... And what, what's odd, Joe, is that the privateer Porsches seem to be more competitive than the Penske Porsches. Um, as I said, that Proton Porsche, you know, making its debut, they hadn't even tested that car before. Um, that actually led a few laps. I mean, well, going back to the Porsche, there were times during the race, Joe, 
when the, the factory Porsches were the fastest cars on the track. I I think I, I'll have to sort of re-watch some of the race. I've got a feeling that the Porsches aren't so good when they double stint their tyres. I think towards the end of a double stint, um, I, I think they lose quite a lot of pace. But I will have to double check that. I am going to re-watch. I did watch the whole race, by the way. I, I'm going to have to re-watch the last couple of hours because um, I did actually, I think, have a bit of a sleep uh, maybe in the fifth hour. So I will have to, to watch that again. I've got the whole thing on video. Now, moving on, Joe. Um, so Sunday was a really busy um, race weekend because the the wet race finished at, was it half past five our time? Well, at five o'clock our time, the IMSA race started from um, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park in Canada. So at half five, I then switched over and watched the IMSA race. Um, now, I said to you, I think when we did our last recording, Joe, that IMSA is the same as the WEC. But, and I, but I said the problem with, with IMSA is you have this, these ridiculously overlong safety car periods. Well, the race was a two-hour 40 race. Um, by the way, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, I call it Mossport, is a brilliant racetrack. Um, it's fast, undulating, um, tree-lined. It, 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 it's a classic old-school racetrack. The first hour and 10 minutes passed without any safety cars, which is really good. And then, unfortunately, we had about, oh, at least three safety car periods. And it, for me, it ruined the whole thing. Joe, it, it, here's an idea of how frustrating it is. When, you, when, you, when they when they have a full course caution, bring the safety car out, you've got about 15 minutes under safety car. Now, when you're in a two-hour, 40-minute race, if you've got 15 minutes where nothing's happening, that, that's not a good thing. And when you've got at least three safety car periods, well, that's almost... That's 45 minutes, almost half the race. Now, one of the safety car periods started when an LMP3 car spun off on the last corner uh, and the car was stranded, stranded in the middle of the track. Now, they didn't throw the full course yellow flag straight away. They waited all, in order to give the car a chance to get going. Would you believe it, Joe? They waited and they waited the second they brought the full course yellow flag out, what happened? Everyone went into pits? No. Because the pits are shut, they can't do that. Oh, so they had this stranded car, the last corner. And so the pits the are shut in a full course brought, yellow too. They are, yeah. The moment they brought that full course yellow flag out, that LMP3 car started moving. Right. <laughs> now you might think, well, that's fine. They can then take the flag away. Yeah. No, no, they have to go through the full procedure. Right. Okay. Even though there's no, even though there's no danger. Yeah. So, so the reason for that flag being uh, flown no longer exists, but they have to go through the full procedure. The pits are closed. The cars queue behind the safety car. Uh, the pits are open for the um, GTP cars. They're then next open for the 
GT3 cars. They don't have to pass around. It takes ages. It's so frustrating. It makes it very difficult to watch. Um, so you had three full course yellows in a two hour, 40 minute race. That's almost half your race under caution. It's not good enough to be honest. Um, the end of the race finished actually under, under yellow and actually rightly so. There was a huge crash, Joe, for, would you believe, the number one um, Cadillac, the yellow Cadillac. Do you remember at Spa, the yellow Cadillac having that big crash at Eau Rouge? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The rave was under Yeah, and Van der Zander was at the wheel again. It wasn't his fault, actually. It was the, the end of the back straight, uh, the Mario and Jetty straightaway. I think he was side by side with the BMW, I think it was. And he got sort of pushed out onto the grass. Well, he went off at the end of the straight at unabated speed into the tire wall. It was, it was very dramatic. That was about three laps from the end. Uh, and the race ended there. It was a win for the Maya Shank uh, Acura. And I was it an Acura 1-2? I think it was. Might have to double check that. So... That was a bit frustrating, really, watching that. Um, yeah, I will carry on. Oh, well, what is good, though, Joe? Do you, have, do you have a... There's a new sports channel on Sky called Via... Oh, I forgot what it's called now. Well, I was watching the IMSA race on um, IMSA TV on the internet, and John Heinhoff, the commentator, said, oh, you can also watch us on this new sports channel, which I've got, actually. Um, so I switched across to my television to watch the last part of it, but yeah, it was a bit frustrating that. Now, Joe, we said it was a really busy weekend. Of course, it was the British Grand Prix, of which, well, I did watch the five-minute highlights. What did you think of it? But well, my reaction to the five-minute highlights was, was that it? I, I, I'm, you know, what amazes me, Joe, is the sheer numbers who attend, you know, Formula One. And the crowd was enormous. I, mm. I just wonder, I wonder why they go. Um, are these diehard race fans? I'm not sure. I think probably quite a lot of them. I mean, do, if you ask your, your typical fan at the British Grand Prix about the WEC, would they know about the WEC? I don't know. Um, are these people who attend it because they watch Drive to Survive? Or do they attend it because it's, it's, it's good to have a selfie at the British Grand Prix to put on Snapchat? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, there I was one notable thing. There's a massive spike in performance yeah. from the McLarens, uh, which yes. they haven't seen this yeah. season. But other than that, nothing yeah, that, really that... happened. No. I mean, the Ferraris were no. down. It's almost like the Ferraris and the McLarens have just swapped cars and changed, um, just yes. changed the paint scheme. Because the, yeah, the McLarens were what? P2, P4, Ferraris 9 and 10. And other than that, nothing really, really? happened. Ferraris, I, as I, I said, I'm really, I'm really drifting away from F1. I'm probably more heading WRC, WEC. Yeah. You know, funny enough, Joe, I, I kind of think what you said the other day, you said that Formula 1... It is a means of getting people into motorsport, and then once you're, once you've discovered motorsport, you then actually find, oh, actually, you know what? I prefer the WEC. I prefer the WRC. Um, I prefer IndyCar. It's almost like a a route into motorsport. Yeah. Because mm. um, I, I mean, I don't. I'm I'm a huge motorsport fan, but I don't watch Formula One now. 
I've got a feeling I'm, I'm, I'm not alone. I think there's lots of people like us who are motorsport enthusiasts but aren't don't watch Formula One. On the subject of Formula One, did you realise, did you know that Red Bull have now equaled McLaren's record of the most wins in a row? No. So, so I think for Red Bull, that would have started last season, wouldn't it? Their, their current unbeaten run would have started last season. I, I can't remember which race that started at. But from for whatever that starting point was up until the British Grand Prix has been, I think, gosh, is it 16 wins in a row? Something like that. Uh, for McLaren, their record streak was all in the same season. It started in Brazil 1988, the first race of 1988, and it ended at Monza um, in 1988, simply because... Um, uh, Adam Senna tripped over a chap called Jean-Louis Schlesser who was I think substituting for somebody in the Williams car I forget who the Williams driver was perhaps it was Ricardo Patrese um, I, I can't remember now to be honest but um, had that not happened then McLaren would have won every race of 1988 um, so, how many F1 races are there left, Joe? Do you know? Uh, too many. Let me have a look. There probably are. We've had a lot. It, well, it goes up until There's December time, doesn't it? Yeah. Are, are we in the middle of some sort of triple header or something? Or so There are 12 left. You are joking. Uh, no, I'm not. There, there are 12 left. There are, I, I am gobsmacked by that. 12 races left. And how many races have we had? Uh... I think there are 26, so I think we've had 14. Oh, no, I don't think it's 26. I think it might be 23. Oh, okay, well, 11 then. I think they're, well, they're, I think they're in the 20s, aren't they? Well, that's that's far too many. Well, are Red Bull going to win every race of the season? With, with 12 races left, it's a little bit of a tall order, isn't it? I mean, they'll have the pace, obviously, to win all those, but, um, you know, chances are there might be an accident or... Or Verstappen might have some mechanical woes at some stage, but yeah. All I can say is credit to anybody. I do admire actually those F1 fans who stick with it and watch all the races. Um, perhaps they've got a longer attention span than than I've got, because Joe, I'm one of those funny people who, when I watch sports, I want to be excited and entertained. Mm. I imagine you're, you're much the same. Yeah. Hence why I'm sort of moving away from, from Formula One. Yeah, and the WEC was six hours of non-stop entertainment. There, you know, there wasn't a dull moment in that. Joe, I tell you what, um, I think we'll we'll stop it there. Cool. We'll get back together. When's the next WEC round? It's probably... It's, it's going to be... It's some way off in the future because they are with with these sort of seven or eight rounds. They they're quite well spread out, aren't they? I don't think that. Yeah, I think personally that's not enough, is it? No, but it's not. We no. will see here Monza. So the next one is tenth of September, Fuji. Yeah, quite away. Right. Okay. Well, we'll obviously get you back for that. And also, there's the next thing. I'm going to come come back to the podcast. I mean, I'll, I'll be maybe a while away for a while, but. Yeah. Um, there's Estonia WRC. 
So the World Rally Championship is the 20th of July to the 23rd. So that's next week. Um, right. So that would be my thing. Are you going uh, to watch that? Pam? Do, do you want to talk about that? Or are you going to be away on holidays or what? Uh, I probably want to talk about it. I mean, there might be some times I'm away and we'll talk about it when I get back. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. With that one, contact me if you're around and then we can do a recording cool. then. We'll do. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the About page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started. So head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well.